You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, I'll be speaking to Adam Woods from the Irish Farmers Journal, speaking on the mega beef finishers, accounting for over 400,000 cattle in Ireland. Liam Maloney from IFFPG on recycling silage wrap. And we'll also be speaking to Jack Coppinger, who's studying agriculture in the Munster Technological University. Plus, we will have all the latest MART reports from around the county and any farming news from uh, around the area. Also, to get in contact with the show, you can email me at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So, looking at some of the MART reports for the county this week, uh, looking at the true MART spring cattle show on sale on Monday, the 6th of March yesterday, saw a spectacular yard of quality cattle, which was met with a blazing trade. Prize winner to, of the Pat Dermody Memorial Cup for the best beef cow included uh, the first place from Michael Stevens, second to Nicholas Byrne. Um, and some sample cow prices included a 915 kilo limousine cross uh, cow made 2,700 or 295 a kilo, a 675 kilo Charlie cross cow made 2,040 or 3 euro and 2 cent a kilo, a 740 kilo Charlie cow made uh, 2,220 or 3 euro a kilo, a 725 kilo limousine cross cow made 2,420 or 334 a kilo. Uh, prize winners of the Paddy Kilgariff Perpetual Cup for the best pair of bullocks included first prize for Oliver Brennan, uh, second for Vincent Martin, and the 715 kilo uh, Charlie made 2,230, or that's €3.12 Euro and 12 cent a kilo for the bullocks. Prize winners of the best beef bullock sponsored by the St. Charles Credit Union included uh, first prize to John Collins, second prize to Anthony Tolan, and third prize to Vincent Martin. Uh, prize winners of the best three bullocks sponsored by the St. Charles Credit Union was Vincent Martin, Wood Key Chum, there were 633 kilos limousine cross and charlie crosses and they made 2030 or 321 a kilo um, prize winners for the Martin Tyrrell Perpetual Cup for the best beef heifer sponsored by the Mayo Healthcare included first prize for Martin Hensbury um, and there was a 675 kilo limousine cross made 2250 second prize um, went to Pat Connolly um, and he had um, bullock or beef heifer sorry weighing 605 kilos making 2260 or 374 a kilo prize winners to the William Burke Cup for the best pair of heifers included first prize to Seamus Hessian who had 580 kilo limousine cross uh, heifers um, going for 1740 or 3 euro a kilo and second prize went to Niall Daly who had 697 kilo uh, Charlie Heifer made 2180 next week we'll see the return of our even, of the evening sale at 5.30 and booking and inquiries uh, can be got at 093 24353 that's 093 24353 and uh, so looking at the Loch Mart uh, sales report there was a lar- larger sales of sheep at last Thursday sale with the more positive trade with prices up on previous weeks tops of the day for hoggets were 155 for far- 54 kilos there was a good uh, entry of colios with the top price of 164 for an 89 kilo uh, yo, some yos and lambs at present also with the top price of 250 being achieved some sample prices for hoggets included a 37.5 kilo uh, going for ni- 99 euro 40 kilos selling for 111 41 kilos um, selling for 124 um, and Saturday's spring cattle show on sale was a huge success with the yard of uh, full yard of top quality cattle and there was a 98% clearance uh, rate achieved on the day buyers were present ringside and online from both north and south of the country uh, some sample cow prices included sailor cross 595 kilo selling for 1480 a limousine cross at 560 kilo cow selling for 1700 a 655 kilo limousine cross selling for 2040 uh, then on to some other prices there was a very large entry of bullocks with factory agents feed 
feedlots, herds and farmers all at, um, contending for stocks and sample prices included a 375 kilo limousine cross selling for 1200 two Shirley cross uh, whaling selling for at 355 kilos selling for 1250 and 830 kilo Shirley cross is sold for 2660 um, some prize winners on the day the best cold cow into Jerry Dunahoo uh, was an 885 kilo cow wing uh, Weighing 885 kilos and selling for 2,760. The class was sponsored by Easy Fix. The best beef heifer was uh, went to Coleman uh, McAllen and he sold a, a heifer for eight, eight. She was 835 kilos and sold for 3,150. Uh, the class sponsor uh, Maggie Mays from Loch Ray. Best store uh, heifers went to JJ and Kevin Manton. Um, who had uh, 462 kilo heifers and they sold for 1360 and the class was sponsored by the Ga- the class was sponsored by the Galway Motor Club Best Beef Bullock sold also to Coleman McAllen um, 940 kilo bullock selling for 3420 and the class was sponsored again by Easy Fix the best uh, store bullocks went to Larry Walsh they were 480 kilos and sold for 1600 and the class was sponsored by uh, Coolmore Stud and the special monthly waning sale is on this Friday the 10th of March at 6pm and the cattle sale every Saturday at 10.30 so that's the Lockray Mart So we're delighted to have Adam Woods on the line from the Irish Farmers Journal so Adam you had the front page there um, on the Farmers Journal on Thursday uh, the headline is factories use mega finishers to supply 400,000 cattle last year I suppose can you tell us a little bit about this Yeah so we obtained some figures um, in relation to finishers and where they're, where they're going um, I, I suppose hu- huge information here as regards how our beef industry has changed and over the last 10 years we've seen 13,000 farmers sort of exit finishing or exit slaughtering cattle in factories um, and we've seen I suppose the big big farmers the big big finishers the big big feedlots they've got a lot bigger and, and really they have doubled in size the number of farms finishing over 1,000 animals has doubled uh, over the last 10 years so that was around 78 farms finished over 1,000 animals in 2012 that's gone to 160 uh, in 2022 and they finished on average two and a half thousand animals uh, each in 2022 and if we put that in monetary terms it, it, it at a 390 kilo car because an average beef price in 2022 of 504 a kilo we're up at 2,000 in animals so that's over 5 million in beef sales uh, those 160 herds done we've also 20 herds that done over 5,000 animals and they're going to be closely aligned to factories factory feedlots and um, maybe yards rented by factories so Really, really interesting information. And look, at I suppose there's positives and negatives in it for farmers. I would err on the side of the negativity, maybe as regards, you know, you have a number of small cohort of an elite group now controlling uh, the beef industry. And yet other people would say, well, look, they're buying animals in March. Smaller, fa- smaller farmers can, can sell their animals in March, sell their finished animals in March. And then that means they get on very well. But I guess if those big finishers pull out of the March for a couple of days or a week, um, that could really have a big effect on the trade. So it's unfortunate, I think, to see, and in terms of Ireland's image of, of maybe small farmers, you know, finishing grass-based finishing, uh, I think we're, we're, we're erring a little bit away from that with these bigger-style farms. But I guess Phil O'Neill would argue that, look, that's the economy of scale and, and that's the way it needs to go to make a margin. Yeah, I suppose it was interesting as well, Adam, if you looked at the, the 1 to 25, um, the amount of animals killed. So any farmers killing less than 25 cattle, the number of those, that was 47,841 uh, in 2012. And that's kind of gone back to 34,327 for 2022. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And I suppose they're, the, they're the farmers that are probably heading to Mars now. We've seen a huge was a move towards Mars. Um, in in the last sort of two years, we've seen you know sort of eight thousand finishers there, um, you know, drop out of out of slaughtering animals in factories over the last two years. Which if that if that continues, uh, we'll have a very small number of people 
um, you know, controlling the industry in a couple of years' time. But those smaller farmers would have seen, as most smaller finishers would have seen, the value that there was in March. The number of agents, you know, hammering it out around rings in terms of looking for cattle, hungry for cattle. Um, so, so they were able to pay a lot more um, in 2022 around that March ring. Um, and, and, I, and I guess these guys, these 160 farmers, they're on the contracts. They're on the forward prices. Uh, they're on the, 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 the 30, 40, 50 cent bonuses um, above and beyond where a normal finisher is. So they can afford when they're around that ring uh, to give that extra money. And I suppose you know, smaller finishers need to be very careful at the moment as regards what we're looking around that ring because really in terms of what store cattle are making at the moment, you would want to be on a forward price or you would want to be on a contract price to be able to justify given what store cattle are making at the moment. And I guess other people need to be careful in terms of getting caught up in that. You know, just because there's a farmer to your right and a farmer to your left around the ring bidding up animals doesn't mean that there's a margin in it. There may be a margin in it for them because they're on a more a more beneficial price, but for the ordinary farmer, that might might not be there. Yeah, it's true. You know, when you do the back calculation there, Adam, to, you know, a lot of the cattle you see there in your own mark reports there in the back pages of Farmer's Journal and different mark reports throughout the country, like when you do the back calculation you're talking, you know, you nearly need a break-even price of €6 Euro alone to, you know, when you do the back calculation. Absolutely, you know, meal at four twenty a ton. You know, silage uh, very expensive to make in twenty twenty two. So, so costs are, are well up there. And then you, you go into a market and you see, you know, Weanlands hitting three fifty a kilo. It's very very hard to make that at all unless you're guaranteed that six euros. And a lot of these finishers, these larger finishers, will be guaranteed that price. And that's why they can afford to give that um, around the ring. But again, for the normal farmer, you know, beef price this week five twenty base for for bullocks five twenty five for heifers. Very very hard to make that all add up um, with with current store prices. Uh, at the moment and speaking of beef price Adam we've seen last week the, the, a lot of the factories tried to pull back you know 5 to 10 cent a kilo they seem to have gone up again again 5 to 10 cent this week the difference it seems to be have met up they obviously couldn't get maybe cattle when they did dip the price yeah that plan to, to pull quotes really backfired on them um, you know a lot of factories trying to buy cattle last week at 5.15 uh, for bullocks maybe pushing for 5.20 for heifers but very little cattle moved I guess farmers dug in um, and, you know, supplies are very, very tight, but we would estimate that, you know, supplies are going to contract by about 6% year on year uh, up to the end of June. So that's going to leave supplies very, very tight. Last week, kill, sorry, the week before last, uh, the kill contracted by 1,500 in terms of prime cattle. So that shows you just how tight cattle are out there. Um, and farmers are right to dig in. And look, they've had to increase again this week. I know Donegal meats are uh, going up by 10 cents. Um, you know, heifers there are sort of, you know, 525, 530 in some places. And we've heard of flat deals as well, 535, 540. Um, so definitely a bit of a turn turnaround um, in the last sort of week, 10 days. And I think that's set to continue. I know what it needs to continue, Keith. And in terms of looking at feed costs, uh, you know, Chagas have done the figures. We need six euros there to break even. So uh, they're the highest price cattle coming out now in the next sort of two months because they've been on feed a very long time. So to, 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 to pull the price, at that time was very, very cynical by factories, but it hasn't worked. And as I said, quotes are back up and hopefully they'll continue to move on. Speaking of finishing cattle, Adam, uh, the Tullamore farm there, which you're obviously very much involved with, the Farmer's Journal farm. Uh, I suppose, firstly, maybe how is calving going? And secondly, uh, bulls or bullocks this year? I know you finish usually uh, bulls. Uh, Maybe have you weighed them recently or what's the story with those? Yes. So it's been a really textbook screen down there, and more than every other farm um, across the country. Keith, um, you know, calves is going well. I think there's up in 35 calves there at the moment. Um, we're getting a lot of those cows out um, straight away uh, shortly after calving, which is which is brilliant in terms of avoiding scours, taking the pressure off around the sheds. Um, and you know, you know, there's, there's ample grass supplies out there where we're on target in terms of grazing off, in terms of where, where we're going. As regards to the bulls, yeah, so we have a piece on the paper this week around looking at, I suppose, you know, feed on or sell because. 
uh, we've got a couple of farmers asking us, would you not be better sell your weanlands now, given the trade they are on the mart? But I suppose the whole project is about maybe following through and, and seeing where we're going. And, and we've done the bulls for a couple of years. We're going to continue the, the bulls out this year. Look, our margins are very, very tight. Even at 550, I think we're as low as 10 euros ahead there to make it out in terms of what we could get for those weanlands at the moment. We weighed them on the 6th of February. They're coming in around sort of 460 kilos. We're happy with performance. Lifetime gain is up at 1.31 kilos a day, um, which is what you need to be at for that young bull system. Um, feed costs are coming in. You know, they're up there sort of a, you know, a tenner a day um, as regards where we're going. Um, but meat is coming in at sort of 420, uh, 420 a ton. So sorry, a fiver a day, sorry, in terms of silage and straw going in there along with the meal. Um, and, and look at it, our salmon hulls are out in front again uh, as regards that that's happened over the last couple of years. We've compared the breeds in this week's paper. Charlie's are up there as well, um, along with the Solaires. Um, so, so yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll target sort of the end of May, beginning of June for the first of those. The heaviest bull on that batch is 580 kilos and the lightest bull is 350 kilos. Um, but, yeah, up to ad lib now. And, and I suppose with, with all the hard work done, it's just uh, monitor them and, and make sure performance is high for the next sort of two or three months. I suppose, um, Adam, you'd be looking at a target of, what, 500 kilos at maybe 12 months. In relation maybe to those either end of the scale, your, your 580 bull, he's obviously going to finish an awful lot quicker than, we'll say, the average of the bunch. Maybe the 350 guy, are you, you know, I know it's probably, uh, you're probably doing your own research on as well. Are you going to, the 350 kilo bull there, or the lighter bulls, you're going to keep going with those? No, so, so we've, we've selected a couple of them. I think there's five or six there that they're going to be castrated. Um, and go as bullocks. We found that for the last sort of two or three years, we castrated the latest and the poorest, and and we sort of um, finished some of them on as bullocks, and we actually sold some of them as forward stores in the mart last back end. And it was just a better route, you know. The awful lot of meal has to go into that lighter animal, and really we said it in the paper this week, unless you're having a very very high weaning weight coming off your cow in a young bull system, very very hard to make a margin if if you're taking a light weaning and pushing them on on meal. It really pays to get that that weaning up at 380, maybe 400 kilos if you could at all, uh, coming off the cow in the back end and then kicking on from there. You need that high weight uh, to start off with. It's very, very important. Uh, we've seen the acres as well also on the front page of the uh, the Farmer's Journal this week, Adam. It uh, looks like the Minister McConlogue is going to give the commitment that everyone is going to get into uh, Tier 1 for the um, acre scheme. Yeah, I think this is the right move, Keith. Look at, uh, in terms of 46,000 farmers looking to to, to make environmental improvements to the farm and join an environmental scheme to be refused entry to that by the Department of Agriculture would be a very, very wrong message to send out to farmers as regards uh, acceptance into the scheme. That's going to be a big, big income boost for farmers. You know, farmers are used to environmental payments over the last number of years. Reps obviously gone a long time but in terms of loss. Um, you know, farmers need that payment. Um, Suckler farmers need that payment. So really, really positive. And look, credit where it's due. I know the Department of Agriculture and the Minister for Agriculture pulled out all the stops. Uh, to get all those, all those farmers in, so that's forty six thousand. It looks like they're gonna they're gonna get in, and 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 in terms of um yeah make make positive changes to their farm, um and, and as I said, an important income stream. And you also cover a little bit on the commercial beef value, Adam. I suppose what is it, uh, and how can farmers use it to financially benefit their farm? Yes, this is a really important new index from ICBF called the Commercial Beef Value (CBV) for short, and this is taking in the genetics of the cow, the dairy cow, and uh, the sire of, of, of that calf. So so basically, um, DBI just took the sire of the calf, whereas the CBV takes the genetics in the in the cow along with the genetics of the sire. So for example, if you have a Jersey Cross cow, um, unless you have a very, very high index sire on that Jersey Cross cow, you're going to have a low CBV. Whereas if you had maybe a British region cow or possibly even a Holstein cow, 
she will have a higher, maybe a little bit of a higher beef value than the jersey. So again, will have a higher CBV value. So it's taking the genetics of both into account. And also it's, it's taken in in terms of guys trading cattle in terms of buying Wheelands or buying store cattle. There will be a CBV value on those as well, which will show, I suppose, the estimated margin or the estimated proper potential on that animal. Basically, it's the terminal index. Take out the carbon trait. And that's what leaves you with your, with your CBV. It's going to be a very important index going forward, especially for buying dairy calves, because there's huge unknowns there around the genetics um, of what's, what's in a dairy calf. Is there jersey breeding in it? Is there, is there other crossbred breeding in it? Um, so very, very important going forward. And I'd urge farmers, if they were buying dairy calves, to use that CBV um, to purchase calves. And hopefully in the future, we'd see maybe a low price for low CBV calves and we see a high price for high CBV calves. That would that's be the that would be the way you would love to see that index uh, work out in the future. At the moment, it's only genotype calves will be up on mark boards, so that's very very few calves. It'll be only farmers participating in the DNA calf registration project. But in the future, obviously with the rollout of a DNA calf registration project, you'd hope that, that would be up on every mark board in the country. Plus, if you're buying calves on farm the farm where those calves were born will have access to those CBV values on their Herb Plus account. So you could uh, ask for a print off of that and, and go down through it and just um, we'll say pick out the very low ones and, and I'd be saying um, leave them on the dairy farm. Adam Woods from the Farmer's Journal, Irish Farmer's Journal. Thanks very much for coming on Country Life. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Cultivate, providing farm-friendly finance across the west of Ireland. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up, we're delighted to have Liam Maloney. So Liam is the General Farm Manager of IFFPG, so the Irish Farm Films Producer Group. Uh, Liam, you're very welcome on to uh, Country Life. Um, So firstly, I suppose, can you explain this organisation and maybe what you do? Uh, Hi, Kate. Yeah, IFFPG is the National Farm Plastics Recycling Scheme. And uh, the way we operate is that the companies who put farm plastic products on the market, they pay a recycling levy into the scheme. And that, along with a weight-based collection charge that's charged farmers at the point of collection, funds the scheme. And what the scheme is set up to do is to provide a really comprehensive uh, collection service to farmers uh, throughout the country. And everything that's collected then is sent for recycling. Um, the scheme is licensed by the Department of Environment and targets are set uh, for the scheme by the department. And I suppose the, the biggest target is the 70% recycling rate uh, that the scheme must reach as a minimum each year for silage wrap and pit cover waste. Okay, very good, very good. I suppose what is your role then maybe, uh, Liam, within the organisation? Yeah, I'm the manager. So I've been working as the manager of the scheme for the last uh, 15 years. So, yeah. so my job is, is with all the key stakeholders and to make sure that the scheme delivers. Um, and the most important thing from our point of view is yeah. that we give the service to farmers throughout the country, that we collect as much uh, farm plastic as possible. And that as a minimum, we hit that, um, yeah. that 70% yeah. rate. Okay, okay, very good. And I suppose you're you're achieving phenomenal results, uh, Liam. Eighty-eight uh, percent uh, of silage plastic from either bales yeah. or uh, pit silage plastic was um, recycled last year. Uh, that's a phenomenal achievement. Um, yeah. And I suppose how did you achieve that, or how did we maybe achieve this um, as a, as a, maybe as a country or as a farmers, or how has it been promoted? Yeah, I, I think we achieved it, Kate, because we have a long-established and mature recycling compliance scheme that has the support of the key stakeholders. In particular, um, the companies who put the products on the market, they pay the recycling levy into the scheme, and that primarily 
the scheme. And also we have the support of the farmers. So the, the, the farmers are the end users of, of, of the products. So they generate the waste and they bring the waste into our, our collection points that we call bring centres. So because we're a scheme, we're able to provide the same service in each county. So the farmer up in Donegal is charged the same and gets the same service as the farmer down in Wexford. And we're also able to give consistency of service from year to year. So it's, it's, it really shows how effective recycling compliance schemes can be when they have the support of all, all the key stakeholders. I suppose, Liam, what is the recycled plastic used for? Yeah, well, what happens is the, 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 the plastic is taken off or taken from the farmers at the bring centres by our contractors. They bulk it up and they send it on to recyclers. And there's actually a couple of those recyclers now operating in Ireland. And what the recyclers do then is they, 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 they chop it up, they wash it, they dry it and they produce a pellet. And that pellet then is the building block for new products such, for example, as uh, construction film, refuse sacks. It can be blended with other polymers to produce piping and garden furniture. So all of us, all of it goes for, for, for recycling and there's increasingly a demand for recycled pellets as we, we, we embrace the circular economy. Okay. And I suppose what is the charge maybe, Liam, for farmers and maybe should farmers be charged for it, I suppose? It might be a question some farmers might ask when they are uh, bringing their, their rap to the area. Yeah, and I'll take your, your, your second question first, should farmers be charged for it? The funding model we have is that recycling levy makes up around 70% of our income and the weight-based collection charge makes up the other 30%. Now, we've gone with that funding model because it encourages farmers to bring in plastic to the bring centres that's relatively clean, so they take out large pieces of contamination. Now, we could go with the alternative funding model, which is the farmer is charged nothing at the point of collection, but then he would be charged a higher uh, rate uh, for the levy, you know, so he'd, he'd end up uh, spending the same. But we prefer the we prefer the current model because, as I say, it gives farmers that incentive to bring in plastic that's um, that's reasonably clean. And in terms of charges this year, they're the same this year as they were last year at the Brink Centre. So it's a minimum charge of thirty five euro, and for that you can get away a half ton of um, of wrap and pit cover waste, and that equates to around two hundred or two hundred and fifty wraps. Okay, and we also, I should say, provide a farmyard collection service who, uh, for farmers who who would find that service a little more convenient. And uh, the minimum call-out charge is €60 Euros for the farmyard uh, collection service. And for that, you also get a half tonne of, of plastic waste taken away. OK. And just looking, I suppose, the overall, you know, the farm plastics recycling in Ireland is coordinated, obviously, by yourselves, um, which is, you know, you're the National Farm Plastics Compliance Scheme, uh, a non-profit body as well, also must be pointed out. You've recycled over 440,000 tonnes of farm plastic waste since your establishment in 98. That's a phenomenal figure, um, Liam. It is indeed, um, and we're we're recycling more and more as the years go by. So just in the last five years alone, uh, we've increased our recycling uh, volume by forty percent. Now we're currently collecting something in the region of thirty six, thirty seven thousand tons of wrap and pit cover waste, and that's the equivalent to plastic from 18 million uh, silage bales. So it really is a phenomenal result, and really the farmers deserve a massive pat on the back, you know, because. Farmers often, I think, are unfairly criticised when it comes to environmental protection, but farmers have shown that when they're given um, a recycling scheme that's convenient and cost-effective, that they can really engage with it in a very positive way and, and help achieve really impressive results.
Yeah, it's a phenomenal achievement. You know, we look at every every media outlet, this, you know, whether you're on your phone, whether you pick up a paper, you the Farmer's Journal, the Irish Independent, any local newspapers and that. Sustainability, uh, Liam, seems to be the, you know, the main buzzword around at the moment. And, you know, I, do, I think, I don't know if maybe members of the, the public are, you know, so familiar with the amount of recycling that farmers do. Like, that's a, it's a phenomenal amount. I suppose if we were to compare ourselves, maybe, uh, Liam, to other countries, like... Uh, I know it's obviously very hard for you to figures on other countries, but like we must be one of the the leading countries in Europe um, at eighty eight percent of all silage plastics recycling. It's it's a it is unbelievable figures for you know for a very um, a, a country I suppose that that does a lot of farming. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to wrap and pick covers, we're leading the way. We have the most successful scheme. Um, other other recycling uh, compliance schemes in other countries would be ahead of us in terms of maybe recycling drum waste or fertilizer bag waste. But definitely, when it comes to uh, wrap pit covers, there's another scheme in in Europe achieving the same the same uh, recycling rates that we're achieving at the moment. Uh, Liam, it was uh, lovely to have you on. It's you know, it was, it's it's great to see some figures there in relation to it. I know I'm farming myself, and often the, we go to the FRS in Athenry would be our local um, collection point there. And you know, it's always very encouraging to see the amount of uh, farmers coming with the, you know their bale plastic, their silage plastic, their their pit plastic. Um, so you know, it's it's great to see so much recycling going on, and that you know you are um, obviously doing a lot with it, and uh, obviously as well as all you know the benefits of that. It also, I suppose, in terms of if you want to bring it back to farm safety, Liam, you know, uh, silage wraps thrown around a yard are lethal, um, you know, in terms of trips and falls and that. And it does, you know, every year when the collection point comes, you know, there's always a big rush to try and get the farmyard clean, pick up any bags or whatever, wherever they may be. A lot of farmers that have their own, you know, sections where they put the plastic. But it does also, as well as all the the other benefits, it does really tidy and keep uh, farmyards clean as well, Liam. Absolutely. There's a number of reasons why farmers engage with us. And one of the reasons is to keep a, a tidy farmyard, as you say, and farmers also, they need a practical solution for this waste that they're generating each year. And as well as that, of course, they want to do their, their bit for the, the environment. Uh, and, and I should say that in the case of County Galway, Kate, you know, the Brink centres there are performing phenomenally well. Like in the last uh, five years, we've increased by almost 50% what we collect in Galway. And last year at the 10 Brink centres that we, we ran in Galway, we collected over 2,000 tonnes of, uh, of wrap and pick cover waste. And that's the equivalent to plastic from around a million silage bales. So you can see the level of participation by farmers in Galway in particular, but also throughout the country. As I was saying earlier, farmers really should be quite proud of what they're achieving when it comes to farm plastics recycling. Yeah, and just looking at the figures as well there, Liam, uh, Irish farmers recycled plastic from the equivalent of 18 million silage bales in 2022, and as we said, uh, did so achieving a remarkable 88% recycling rate. So look, I suppose uh, we're always quick to, to knock uh, maybe farmers and organisations and that, but uh, we have to say well done to all the farmers throughout the country for doing this, and to yourselves as well, you know, you obviously have a, a massive role in this, um, there's a lot of organisation in it, um, you know, a lot of the bring centres, organising staff, lorries, uh, cleaning the plastic. Um, so look, uh, I suppose it, it's great to get an insight in it. A lot of farmers, nearly every farmer, obviously, from looking at the stats there, is bringing their plastic to bring centres. Um, so, or, or maybe the, they can get collected as well. So it, it's, a, it's a very positive um, a positive result. Um, and so I suppose well done um, and, and, and fair play needs to be um, given to yourselves as well. So uh, Liam Maloney from um, IFFPG, um, thanks for 
very much uh, for coming on Country Life. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Education, from enrolment to graduation. Your credit union supports your education. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So you're welcome back after the break. We're delighted to have Jack Coppinger with us. So Jack is a student with us in Athen Rye. He's on his work placement at the moment. Uh, Jack is studying agriculture in the Munster Technological University, which was formerly known to formerly known to us as the CIT. Um, so Jack, you're covering a little bit there on um, agriculture. You're you're on your work placement with us in Athen Rye at the minute, and we're delighted to have you. I suppose, firstly, Jack, maybe you might tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to pick the course you're doing. Thanks for having me now, Keith. Um, I'm from Munavay, Galway, so I'm actually not a Cork native at all, but I'm from a suckler farm in Munavay, so I've always had a great interest in farming and calf rearing in particular. And uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell now. Very good. And uh, how did you decide to pick the um, the course in uh, Cork, uh, Jack? Well, mainly because it was a mix of science and kind of the ag business side of agriculture. So... I've interest in the practical aspect, but also the kind of bookkeeping and behind the scenes as well with the business side. Like, okay. And how long is it? Is it the four-year degree, or what are you doing, Jack? Uh, it's a three-year course for the level seven. Then there's the add-on year to make it a level eight. So I'm in year two right now. Okay, very good, very good. And you're on your work placement at the moment. And I suppose what other maybe areas or other classmates studying, Jack, are are in, in for their work placement? You're with us in Athenry for uh, three months, and uh, so you're going to be, you know, taking soil samples, doing nutrient management plans, uh, the the odd interview on the radio thrown in. Yeah. Um. So I suppose what other maybe areas or what other uh, work experience have other members of the class um work er, er, decided to do, uh, Jack? Well, I have a few friends in other advisory positions in Chagas around the country and there's a few doing uh, soil sampling in other places like Dairy Gold and I have uh, another friend uh, pursuing artificial insemination in uh, Eurogene in Tipperary and I think about of the 50 people in our course, there's a good, I'd say 15 or 16 gone abroad out to New Zealand out to massive dairy farms so there's a good variety right? Okay so there's a massive variety there and so so what kind of uh, subjects are you doing we'll say you know is first year fairly general are you doing a lot of science are you doing a lot of business or what kind of modules are you covering Jack? Uh, first year was fairly general there was crop production beef production dairy production and there is also tractor mechanics and land mechanisation so we're calibrating your fertilizers and servicing your tractors and a lot of practical experience all right because um there's a mix of being on campus in CIT in Bishopstown Cork but there's also a few days a week down in Clonkilty down in Cork so so that's what you mix. do that's the kind of the equivalent of the Montpellier um in Galway will say you yeah, do a lot of your placement in, in Clonkilty Ag College that's it exactly yeah okay very good and what kind of farming are they operating down there Jack uh, it's a good mix. They have um, sucklers down there and they have a dairy herds and uh, they have a few store lambs down there as well. I think they're actually lambing right now. Okay, very good, very good. And you're also with us um, there, Jack, on Friday. Uh, we went out to the farm of Angus Fahey, so uh, some of our listeners might be familiar. We had Michal Kelly on the line there uh, last week and we covered the the event that happened there on Friday on Angus Fahey's farm in Ardrahan. So uh, Angus is a future beef farmer. He's a part-time farmer. Um, he's um, calving 30 suckler cows this time of the year, spring calving 30 suckler cows, um, with the majority of the animals being brought to finish. Um, and he's also working off-farm as well, 
so it was very you're very stereotypical uh, Galway based suckler farm uh, part time farm um, very well managed uh, the walk um, was organised by Michal Kelly there and Gabriel Trayers and it, um, it was a, a nice group of farmers. It was also about 70 or 80 students uh, attended the event as well. Um, so I suppose, Jack, maybe you might maybe tell our listeners what exactly the Future Beef Programme is. So the Future Beef Programme is kind of like a new way to produce a quality product as efficiently as you can to make beef farm more profitable while also making them more environmentally conscientious, kind of having less carbon emissions and also producing high quality beef. Okay, very good. And I suppose what are the main focuses there? We'll say that they 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 covered um, Jack on the um, the different areas. I suppose there was a trail and shoe there, um, a dribble bar versus the splash plate. Maybe you might explain to some of our listeners what the difference is between maybe the trail and shoe. And they did a demo there as well, Jack. Uh, the um, the splash plate, as you've seen, was beside the trail and shoe. There was a very there was a big difference when looking at both uh, applications of slurry, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Um, with the splash plate, there's about six. Uh, units nitrogen and then there's with the dribble bar it's nine units and with the trail and shoe it's 11 so with the trail and shoe you're nearly doubling your nitrogen and you're also there's less emissions going out into the atmosphere of course and also um it's more palatable whereas with the splash plate it could be three weeks before you can go graze it again with whereas with the trail and shoe you could be back out in nine or ten days like so it's more efficient and it's also more palatable for the cattle grazing as well Okay, okay, and I suppose we did, we did a little bit there as well on the following the spring rotation planner as well, um, and I suppose the vital figure there was two euro fifty that it was worth every, it was worth two euro fifty for every livestock unit, um, that that are out of grass at this time of the year, um, I suppose that was broken down in in a number of different ways really, um, some of that money came from the fact that farmers weren't uh, feeding silage, uh, less meal and the increase in maybe daily live weight gain of um livestock on spring grass which is very high in protein and um, indeed energy as well so I suppose there was some of the key factors there uh, in relation to the spring rotation planner was you know how important it is to walk your farm every week especially during high growth rates uh, letting out stock as soon as possible um, and maybe even letting out the priority stock so in a lot of cases you know where some farms may be heavier or ground might be a bit, little bit softer a lot of farmers have the opportunity maybe to let out some of the lighter stock so maybe like bulling heifers or um, maybe some of the wanings from the previous previous year. Um, another uh, interesting area that was covered was, you know, it was advised uh, uh, not to graze the silage ground first, um, maybe to graze the, the grazing ground uh, first, so do, do that for the first third. Um, and I suppose the main reason for that is that you'd have, uh, you'd graze your silage ground from in around St. Patrick's Day to the 1st of April. Uh, this would also, in, in, you know, ensure that uh, by the 1st of April, you're, you're six to seven weeks on from that, uh, you could be making your silage around mid-May and you'd be hoping maybe for 75, 76, 77 DMD silage. So that was a, an interesting um, uh, area in which they were promoting at the at the walk the last day and obviously grazing very tight as well, promoting tillering, um, better use of grass as well. Uh, and maybe as you graze tighter, maybe graze lower covers at the start, you're getting cattle used to, to grazing as well because obviously they've been in sheds uh, for the last number of months eating silages alone so uh, it's very important to maybe get cattle to grazing low covers at the start to get them you know grazing down tighter so that they know then when they go into heavier covers they have to graze down to the floor as well um, so I suppose uh, those are just some of the tar- targets and you know we have a phenomenal spring uh, Jack this year the, the weather has been brilliant um, uh, I suppose there is 
is the danger maybe that farmers might graze too much this uh, early on. Um, I suppose farmers just need to be careful to follow the spring rotation planner, Jack. Yeah, that's it. Um, you don't want to graze covers too quickly and you don't want to, to run out of grass too quickly either. Like So you have to kind of mix it up a small bit like and just in relation to that, I suppose another area that was covered was um, how to save money on fertiliser, uh, Jack. So I suppose there was a number of different things covered there, maybe. You might just give us um, a- an example of a couple of them. I know if, uh, maybe soil sampling was one, as far as I can remember. Yeah, soil sampling would be a good idea because you know exactly what your soil type is and the pH and the fertility and you'll know your kind of nutrient requirements then as such. And um, I know for correcting your soil pH, a lot of farms would spread lime, which is recommended. It's also more important as well to um, make sure your fertilizer spreader is calibrated correctly so you're not wasting fertilizer because especially at this time with inflation going up and the price of everything, it's it should be stupid to be wasting fertilizer like that. Exactly, yeah. And I suppose there's a, you know, maybe farmers don't realise how valuable slurry is as well and just to put a figure on it cattle slurry is worth about 50 euro per thousand gallons uh, this spring you know in relation to um, in relation to chemical fertiliser um, well, so looking at maybe uh, where farmers are testing their slurry looking at 9, 5, 32 9, nine units of nitrogen 5 units of phosphorus and maybe 32 units of K potassium uh, that's worth about 50 euro um, a thousand gallons of slurry so it's very important maybe to try and cover as much ground as you can where you would have thick slurry and another um, interesting point at the walk the last day I found was uh, that you know where farmers are testing slurry there's a massive variation within tanks as well and throughout different farms maybe where some farmers might be heavily feeding a lot of ration very good quality silage um, the nitrogen in the slurry could um, be twice the nitrogen you know where you might have watery slurry so that's that's that was another very valid point and you know P and K is calculated at 100% availability however for slurry applied to index 1 and 2 soils availability of P is only at 50% therefore the value of P you know is taken as half the value reported so that was a, an interesting um uh, a topic there as well and you know there was a lot of other different uh, areas covered also as well they had um they had um guys out there from uh, DH Fair Machinery in Gart um and they covered uh, the calibration of fertilizer spreaders and you know and as you said Jack it's a it's a um, very um important time to have everything right with the price of in with with inflation and the prices of fertilizer and all our inputs uh, increased significantly in the last uh, year or two or three years even um so it's very important you know to get the the rate the, the, put out the right product at the right rate at the right time um and they they shown us that by you know um calibrating the fertilizer spreaders um you know making sure that you're not putting too much uh, fertilizer uh, or, not, or too little even for that um, on the same field so uh, that was also uh, very important and I suppose farm safety Jack um, we're looking at a very busy time of the year uh, at the moment um, you know how important is it for farmers you know to stand back and maybe look at this and maybe assess their own farm and make sure everything is you know run smoothly without uh, you know any accidents or that Farm safety is just uh, so important I don't know if uh any of you have watched uh, Jeremy, Clark- Jeremy Clarkson's Clarkson's farm out there, but I heard one of the one of the statistics was um, uh, I think it's like in agriculture you're twenty times more likely to die on the job, with uh, any amount of things could kill you. Could be a kick from a cow or falling into the slurry pit or even being run over by a tractor. Like it's awful. It's a lot more common than you think, and I feel like it doesn't really hit you either until you hear of someone close to you having it happen to them. 
and now I'm thank I'm lucky enough not have it happened to anyone I know as of yet, but like I think it really would be a kick in the stomach if I heard it happen. Like it'd really wake me up. Like so. Yeah, so it's vitally important. As you said, Jack, you know, you're dealing with machinery, you're dealing with live animals, uh, chemicals, um, along with a lot of other things as well. So um, it's vitally important as well um, that farmers mind themselves um, this spring as it's a very busy time. Um, so uh, that was Jack Coppinger. Um, so Jack is, a, as I said, a student with us in Athenry who's doing his work placement in, in Chagas in Athenry and he's uh, also studying agriculture in the Munster Technological University or formerly known as CIT. So uh, Jack, thanks very much for coming on Country Life. Thanks very much for having me now, Keith. So with farmers, you know, purchasing a lot of fertiliser in the, in the coming weeks or maybe a lot of farmers have purchased fertiliser at the end of last year, I suppose a, an element that can get quite overlooked every year is actually sulphur. So we have our NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. Uh, a lot of the uh, nitrogen can become in the protected uh, form now as well. So, uh, But another element that's uh, very important and a lot of farmers uh, can sometimes forget uh, about when purchasing fertiliser is sulphur. Uh, so when purchasing, I suppose, fertilisers in in 20 2023 this year uh, don't forget to ask for sulfur so that's S on the, the bags of fertilizer it's very important in both grazing and silage fertilizers and research from Johnstown Castle has shown that sulfur um, has obviously a major role to play in the increasing uh, nitrogen use efficiency so NUAE as, as it's commonly known nitrogen use efficiency it also has a massive in, um, impact on grass nitrogen uptake so how the plant can take up the nitrogen so there's no point I suppose in spreading nitrogen if the plant is unable to take it up so if it's lacking sulfur uh, in the plant um, it doesn't have the same uptake of nitrogen also grass yield as well uh, would be one of the main ones the yields can be back uh, significantly where there isn't a, a sufficient amount of sulfur spread um, also sulfur reduces the amount of nitrogen leaching so obviously in terms of financially for farmers spreading nitrogen obviously the number one financially and number two um, sustainability as well is obviously very important where you have a lot of nitrogen leaching we obviously don't want to impact rivers in that as well or lakes um, so uh, by spreading too much nitrogen or where there's not enough sulfur we can see a lot of nitrogen leaching uh, so for grazing products maybe for example such as 18612 you can get that with 3% sulfur um, and I suppose it's ideally um, you'd be ideally spreading that from March to July so obviously you're targeting the main grass growing uh, times of the year so you're applying um, your sulfur during the, those times from March to July research trials also have shown um that there can be up to a 2.5 tonne per hectare yield response to sulphur applications during this period from March to July. So that's obviously a massive uh, increase. Uh, for silage fields receiving cattle slurry at a rate of approximately you know 3,000 gallons of uh, slurry to the acre, uh, you could apply protected urea with sulphur so you could get your 38% nitrogen or seven with 7% sulphur to balance the crop uh, nutrient um, nitrogen and sulphur requirements as well. So um, it's also very important to know, you know, for the grazing fields apply 20 kilos of sulphur um, per hectare per year and for silage fields apply 15 to 20 units of sulphur per hectare per cut. So we see a lot of farmers there who may be getting one or two cuts of, of, of uh, bales along with a lot of grazing. So obviously, you know, a lot of the majority of the fields are not receiving enough sulphur. So it's very important. So just there to quote some figures from the benefits of the sulphur applications in grass production um, with the trials last year in Johnstown Castle. Uh, grass yields tonnes per hectare can increase by 2.6 tonnes per hectare. Nitrogen uptake 
uptake in terms of kilos of nitrogen per hectare. Uh, there can be an increase of 38 kilos of nitrogen uptake where sulfur is applied per hectare. Nitrogen leaching, leaching uh, reduces by 22 kilos of nitrogen per hectare and the NUE, so that's the nitrogen use efficiency, increases by 25%. So I suppose in, in, in layman's terms, that in what nitrogen use efficiency means the amount of nitrogen that can be used by the plant increases by 25% which is a massive figure in terms of you know looking at fertilizers at 850 900 euro a ton uh, 25% um, better usage of nitrogen is a, f- a significant figure also um, with cattle slurry the sulfur content is about 0.6 units of sulfur per thousand gallons of slurry so that's it this week from Country Life we hope you enjoy the show and if there are any queries about this week's topics or if there's any topic you'd like covered please don't hesitate to email Email me at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. And I'd like to thank our, our speakers for this evening, Adam Woods uh, from the Irish Farmers Journal, Liam Maloney from the IFFPG. And we'd also like to thank Jack Coppinger uh, from the MTU University um, and as a student with the Sanathan Rye. So as I said, if you have any uh, queries or topics you'd like covered, uh, don't hesitate to email me at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. And I'll get back to you. So until next Tuesday at 7 p.m. We hope you have a lovely evening and next up is Melodies followed by The Night Fly with Donald Mahan.